Welcome to the Business of You podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Gogos. This podcast is dedicated to helping you uncover how to turn your big idea into big business and grow your personal brand into the business of your dreams. Each week, I'll talk to founders of all kinds of businesses, exploring how they launched and grew their companies. Behind every successful business is an epic journey, one that can serve as a roadmap to help you grow yours. The Business of You is all about frank conversations and unique business wisdom for the entrepreneur. It's a chance to tune into the story behind the brand and retrace the path of those who walked this road before you so you can pave your own road to success. Welcome to the Business of You. Hello, my friends. Today's guest on the Business of You is Carlin Ankrom. And Carlin is the founder and lead strategist at Snap Social. She's also the creator of the Fan Firestarter Framework. One of my favorite things about Carlin is her background is in journalism. I find that people who start... Uh, start their careers in journalism, have such an incredible foundation for any sort of work that they do in the digital world because they have a real deep understanding of how to interview people, how to connect with people, and of course, how to write. And Carlin's writing is exactly like the name of her company, Snappy. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Business of You featuring Carlin Ankrom. Carlin, welcome to the show. How's your day going so far? I'm doing well. How about yourself, Rachel? Good, good. Another day flying quickly. This seems to, you look up and it's lunchtime, you know? <laughs> I, yes. And that sandwich is calling my name, right? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, really curious to hear your background. Um, as we were talking pre-show, you mentioned you have a journalism background, as do I. So journalists are near and dear to my heart, especially the old school journalists, right? Uh, journalism has evolved so much in the last couple of years, but um, but yeah, take take us back to at least college, even sooner or earlier, if you'd like. Uh, would love to hear your backstory and what led you to starting your social media company. Yes, it's there's a long version, but I will not bore you to tears with all of the details. But quickly, we we, meaning me and my team, um, came together out of wanting to build a brand and help social media have a better name for itself, if that makes sense. Uh, So it all started, I would say it started back when I was 10, if I'm being totally transparent. Uh, I loved writing. I was the kid that before I went to bed, I had to write in my journal and I had to make sure that I was updating you know, what I did for that day. And I could not wait a couple of years ago to like, look at that trunk full of, you know, these composition books that I would fill out. I'd like tape in napkins from restaurants that we would go to and things like that, mini scrapbooks. And to say I was underwhelmed would be, (laughs) it was like, I went to the pool today. I hung out with my friend. We ate popsicles. Like today was great. Like that literally was what I wrote. And in my brain I was like man it was so much more than that you know I was like "Uh." but I loved writing I just found an outlet through that and since then I've been trying to get back into journaling it's been a little bit difficult um 
the past couple of years because I've had uh, a fifth, I have a 15 month old now. So just a whole transition of being a business owner, uh, you know, a CEO and a mom is like a whole nother, whole nother shebang altogether. Um, but fast forward, I was in college studying print journalism at the time, which I think as soon as I graduated that year, they're like, yeah, we're not calling it print journalism anymore. It's just going to be journalism. And I remember sitting in my news class and being like, you know, everyone's like, well, what do you want to do with this degree? And I remember everyone going around one by one and they'd say, oh, I want to be the editor of Cosmo. I want to be a reporter for the Times. I want to be this. I want to be that. And I was sitting there like, I don't want to do any of those things. <laughs> like that's not. And I also had a very uh, reality focused mind of like, that's not going to be all of us. All of us are not going to work for Cosmo or Vogue. Uh, and I also realized in that same class that a lot of the news that was out there was bad news. And I do not have the heart for bad news all the time. I mean, if you were to look on my Instagram feed right now, it would be nothing but like good news and puppies and babies laughing and people just killing the dance moves and all of that. And I curated my feed that way because it makes me happy. You know, we were just talking about our backgrounds and loving color and like, you know, like, like wearing color because it just makes us happy. There's so much craziness in the world that I was like, I need to do something that'll make me happy and it needs to be fun. And my senior year, I took a webcoms class and it changed my entire career trajectory. That is where I learned how to code a website, how to write a blog, how to think about it from a corporate side um, because people were starting to use social media in a corporate setting where they were pushing out their content so it'd be readily available to journalists to be able to report in that 24-hour news cycle, which I found super cool and very compelling because it allowed that company to control the narrative in some capacity. Um, and it didn't leave the journalist empty-handed or not getting people calling them back. It literally gave them what they needed right where they needed it. And I thought that was super powerful. And I was like, hmm, I think there's something here. And I worked for a series of startups. I worked for a member organization for four years. I was like, there's gotta be more to this. And I was the only communications person on that team for four years as a fresh out of college graduate. I learned a lot. I was my own boss essentially then. And then I started working for startups who saw value in social media, um, but they would either mismanage their, you know, venture capital that they received, or I set them up and then they could pay a junior person less to implement the strategies uh, that I had basically built from scratch. Uh, and then I went for a uh, job at a branding agency and I loved it. It utilized the creative and the all of the skills that I had collected um, from writing to email and all of that to put it into place for clients who were refreshing their brands or brand new companies coming out. And I could set up their strategy and get their content out there and manage all of that for them. And I absolutely loved it until I was in a meeting with one of our that branding agent's clients. <laughs> And she was like, people, we were talking about audience and all of that. And she's like, people come to me and she's a leadership kind of coach. People come to me when they either hit like a ceiling in their job where there's like nothing else for them to, to get to, or when they're approaching like a large milestone, like a big birthday or something like that. And I was sitting there like, 
she talking to me? I feel like she's talking to me because I was going to turn 30 that summer. And I always wanted to start. I had OSNAP on the side for three, two years at three, three years at that time. And I was like, am I going to do this or am I not going to do this? Would I be okay if I didn't do it? Like if I'm 80, am I going to be like, man, I really wish I started that business. And I was like, regret is so powerful. (laughs) I was like, I need to figure out how to leave this job. And I didn't have the confidence or the courage or the verbiage. I mean, someone who loves to write, I'm like, how do I, because I don't quit things. I start. And so that's really hard. Um, So I hired that person under the table, so to speak. And she helped me with the language of how to uh, respectfully quit my job uh, and go all in on OSNAP Social. And it's been five years and we've grown our team. We've, you know, had some growing pains here in the last year um, after last year being a total like amazing year. Um, This back half of the year, transparency moment, vulnerability moment hasn't been great. Um, but it's just a phase. It's a season. Um, and a lot of that seasonality from a business perspective, we do not control, uh, as business owners. And, you know, just like we don't control the algorithms of social media, we don't control the behaviors of a lot of our buyers, uh, or the economics of what is happening in the world. So, yeah, yeah. So true. So true. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm hearing that from a lot of folks um, this year, especially the last quarter about things shifting and slowing down. And I think normal. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's normal. And I um, also am hearing from some that, you know, history repeats itself too, right? So there was the recession of 2007, eight, and another drop, I think in 2012, a big one. And so you know, what I've learned in my almost 15 years of running my agency is it's just, you just got to be resilient and try to apply some kind of tried and true strategies to growth and retaining clients. And, you know, the beauty of the work that you're doing is a lot of your work can be done under a retainer relationship, which can help make your revenue, right, a little more predictable. And social media is not going away, right? It's just getting louder and louder online. So, People really need to invest. Companies really need to invest in a solid social media strategy. And it's not its not that it's so complicated, I found, with social media, but it's very time consuming. So, right, if you're an expert in a particular space, you may not have the time to really build your social media platform. So tell us a little bit about your process and how you start working with a thought leader. Yeah, so... We walk everyone through our fan fire starter framework and it has three steps. And because I'm from the DC area, we love an acronym. So um, <laughs> PSA is the acronym and it stands for pulse check audit strategy and advancement. So we walk everyone through this framework in some capacity, whether you're a thought leader, uh, you know, a solo author, uh, solopreneur, or just have a small team. This is a system. If you have a, larger, uh, if you have a larger team with a team that is in control of the marketing, but maybe doesn't have a specialist who is within that social lens, we walk everyone through the system. So pulse check audit, 
pop the hood, see what's working, see what's not working. Um, and then we understand how to then implement a strategy that goes back to your overarching goals. And I think for a lot of people, that is the hardest part is like, what is the why? Why are we posting on social media? What's the success rate of this? What do we want that success to look like? And I always ask my clients that, prospects that. What does success look like for you on social media? And I will tell you nine times out of the 10, they don't know. Mm, interesting. <laughs> and I'm like, hmm. So before we work together, I need you to think about that, right? I need you to think about what does that success look like? Because then I can set up a strategy that makes the most sense for that. And I can help manage your expectations of the timeline of when we're going to hit those goals. And so that's where I've in the past made my mistakes of being like, oh, we got this. And then they're like, that's not my goal the whole time. And I'm like, that is why I now require everyone, no matter if they're a solopreneur or a larger company to build a cohesive, intentional strategy. Because mm -hmm. then we're all on the same page, right? in the same book, you know, going towards that same goal. And then that last piece is advancement has a few branches off of it. Um, you know, some is the done for you, which is us doing the doing, creating the content, putting it out there, all of that. Uh, done with you, which is more of a consulting through a Zoom screen, or if they're local to me, I can travel. Uh, and they're creating video during that two to four hour time block, depending on your preference. And I'm as you're recording that video, I'm over here creating an Instagram carousel and a caption to put in your calendar so that when you leave that session, you have 15 or 36 pieces of content done and dusted, oh, ready to implement. Mm -hmm. um, and I and it's also kind of a therapeutic session, I think, for a lot of business owners and thought leaders because it forces them to get out of their comfort zone and get out of their own um, over analytical brains and rely on the expertise and the knowledge that they have between their ears already. Um, we don't spend a ton of time scripting. Uh, and I think the best thing about social media is it's very forgiving. People expect it to be very real and raw and relatable. Uh, and they don't want it to be overly produced because it doesn't feel as real to them and they will just ignore it. Um, so done for you, done with you and DIY, which is more, we have a consulting session, two hours where we just brainstorm together. You borrow my brain cells or my team's brain cells and we crank out as much content as possible. Um, for one of my clients, they do it every single quarter, like clockwork with their, their intern um, and their communications person. So the intern knows exactly what it is they're going to create and strategic behind it. Because again, interns, the younger generation, they know the mechanics, know the technology, they do not know the strategy mm -hmm. still. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they're getting better, but it's until they see the strategy and understand the why behind it, besides, of course, it being like fun and like, you know, right. music or whatever, uh, you, they need that additional guidance right now. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're doing. Yeah. What are some common metrics that you track or measure to identify success outside of likes and followers? Yeah. Van thank you for asking this question because I'm like, the vanity metrics truly don't matter. Followers don't matter uh, unless you have, you know, everyone's like, I want 10,000 followers. I'm like, well, number one, why? Uh, you have 10,000 email addresses. Like, 
My goal is always to connect the digital dots from social, which is kind of that conversation water cooler over to your website. So I do look at Google Analytics. I look at that referral traffic first. Uh, that's one of the things that we do in the audit. I you know, tell my client, do you have Google Analytics set up? Which usually is met with, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so then it kind of gives them that educational element of like, oh, there's other things that I could be looking at of how the two work together, which then can get their thinking of what does that success look like? So for me, it's website traffic. How much traffic am I sending to my website? How many people are DMing me? Am I having quality conversations in the DMs is another. Uh, and then if you're newer and you're trying to get more eyeballs on your profile, a great internal one, specifically I'm talking for, um, I guess LinkedIn is, this is valuable for LinkedIn as well as Instagram, is how many profile visits are you getting? That means new people are coming to you, right? And they're checking you out. And so that's a great metric to start with, especially if you are having a newer account or really working on the growth is how many people are discovering your content and then coming over to your profile and maybe they're following or maybe they're consuming other pieces of content. Uh, and then that could be a really qualifying thing of like what content is resonating with people um, to discover you. So those are kind of, I mean, there's many others and a lot of them are always linked to whatever their goals are. Um, but those are some that I think people don't always think about. They instead are like, I only got five impressions or I only got 1000 views. And I think as recent as yesterday, Instagram uh, released news that the impression metric is changing and that someone only needs to view your content for a one millisecond for it to be counted as an impression. Oh my gosh. Which again is like, who cares about impressions? Like no one yes. cares. Like yes, that's interesting. What's the first thing you do when somebody refers a business or service provider to you? I know what I do. I go to Google, I Google them and I check out their website. And what I see online tells me a lot about how this person is gonna conduct their businesses, whether it's service oriented or product oriented. I look at the details of the site. I read all about them. I check out their homepage. And maybe that's because I've been running an agency that builds websites for many years. But I also think how somebody presents themselves online says a lot about how they'll do business with you. So highly recommend having a great website to conduct your business from. Check us out, www.thebrandid.com. If you need a website from one page to 100 pages, we can totally help you fulfill your need for an incredible website and presence online. Check out www.thebrandid.com. Thebrandid.com. What are your thoughts on uh, LinkedIn newsletters and should, if you like them and, and recommend using them, do you think people should put them out under their business brand, a business page or under their personal brand? Love this question. Newsletters on LinkedIn are, are newer in that it's just a way to make it easier for people to find your LinkedIn articles, which again, for those listening, LinkedIn articles are like blog formatted, long format thought leadership um, to share. 
I think they're incredibly powerful because of the notification element alone. Um, because before you would write an article and it would like be there on your feed in your activity and then whoop, vanish. And there was no way to find it <laughs> again, yeah. ever. Yeah. <laughs> now with the newsletters, it allows you to kind of categorize it and also notify people who have subscribed to it uh, that you have something new to say. Um, I think for a while, people started tuning them out, myself included, because we were getting inundated with requests and notifications and so-and-so's got this and they've invited you to this. It's like, and so you have to be intentional in picking and choosing. I, one article that I wrote back in 2018 before newsletters existed, I think did two things really well. So if you're like, I don't know if this is worth my time, I want you to think about what are some of the most Googled questions, topics around what you do. And I did that with one LinkedIn article. I, it was on my blog. Yes. But I put it on my LinkedIn as an article with a very keyword specific headline. It was like how to find your LinkedIn SSI score back when like that mattered and people that was, you know, and that was more of like a tactic for LinkedIn to get you into sales navigator. But I was like, people love to know how they score. How are they doing on LinkedIn? People want to know this. And I talked about like how to find it, what to do. And then my call to action at the bottom was take a screenshot or share your score with me below. Mm. Exploded. So I was number underneath LinkedIn. I was number one for that question. Mm -hmm. And so I was leveraging the domain authority of LinkedIn, which gets tons of traffic. Yes. Every day. Yeah. To have my article show up right at the top of Google. Yeah, that's brilliant. And so that's how I grew my audience. And that's how I grew, uh, you know, my thought leadership over there. And now the algorithms changed over there too. So I'm back to square one trying to figure that all out. But, and still to this day, that article continues to bring people in. And I recently Googled that and someone else basically copied my article. And the image, by the way, which is not theirs to copy. I had like a designer, like make it fresh. Like it wasn't something that I borrowed from LinkedIn and just right. like slapped it. Oh, sorry. Right. <laughs> slapped it up there. Um, so it wasn't something that I just slapped up there from LinkedIn. It was something that I had actually. But yeah, so they're trying to beat me at my own game. Um, so I might end up doing a refresher for that. But it was, it's old. It's still relevant. I've updated it. And it really worked well because I answered a common question around my around my niche and I leveraged LinkedIn's domain authority to drive that traffic. Yeah, no, that's really smart. Yeah. Do you think it's better to be putting out content um, under your personal brand or under a business brand? I think personal brand is where it's at on LinkedIn. That being said, I still publish to a lot of company pages. Mm-hmm. But I always, as part of that strategy, ask the CEO or the salespeople or whoever's going to have that direct connection with the audience to reshare the content. So I almost frame it as that company LinkedIn page of content is basically their asset library of approved content that they can share and add their two cents uh, to to their network because people do business with other people, not logos, especially logos that they don't know. So that's where, you know, you can have that 
personality and add, you know, what part of the project you worked on to get that case study to the, that, you know, end goal. Uh, and people are looking on LinkedIn before they jump on sales conversations with people. And if your salespeople are not set up for success, that's an easy, quick thing to fix and optimize uh, before you have another huge sales push. So, so what are your tips to to optimize your LinkedIn before hopping on a sales call? Oh my goodness! Uh, make sure your profile picture isn't from like 1998. Number mm-hmm. one, <laughs> like it's always very jarring in that you meet with someone and then you like, you meet them in real life and you go to your LinkedIn, you're like, they haven't touched this or worse, the opposite where you like see them on LinkedIn and then you meet them on like a zoom or in real life. And you're like, wait, Bill, is that you? (laughs) Like, I couldn't tell. This was like your headshot, your glamour shot from when you were a realtor in 1997. Like, so make sure that's updated. Make sure that your headline includes keywords of who you are and what you do and how you give people that transformative experience. Um, and I would say there's, you know, there's traditional mode of LinkedIn and then there's creator mode. <sighs> creator mode is more for like, I'm going to call them power users, right? People that are really trying to double down on a personal brand. And it also unlocks more uh, tools and features as they start to get rolled out on LinkedIn. So I've really enjoyed creator mode over there. That being said, I have clients that are still on traditional and they're happy as clams. So that just kind of depends on where you're where you're going. But test creator mode if you'd like. I think the biggest thing for creator mode, which I think now is obsolete, <laughs> is you could like put a video in your profile picture. Oh, yes. and, mm-hmm. um, and now I don't think that's a thing. But that was a cool added reason to join creator. Uh, other things, uh, make sure you have a link there. You can now go into... If you have premium, I just released a blog on this uh, for custom buttons. You can add custom buttons if you have premium account, or you can just um, have a link if you don't have premium premium account. So give people an easy way to connect with you or, you know, discover your website. Um, And then I think the last thing that I will leave you with, okay, maybe two more things, uh, is make sure you have a featured section on your profile that includes quick links, i.e. a calendar link. You're, you know, if you were featured on the news, uh, if you have a live show, if you were featured on a podcast, like put that there um, because it also tells people, um, you know, that you are crushing it. (laughs) Right. Totally. And it makes Mm -hmm. it easy for people to connect with you. I think that's the biggest thing is like, make it, I always tell like e-commerce people, it's like, make it easy for people to give you money like yes. with, with service-based, like make it easy for people to book a call or whatever your first step is in your, you know, sales process. Um, and then the last thing is your about section should not read like a bio. It should read more like your whole entire profile should read more, more like a resource rather than a resume, especially if you're a personal brand or a thought leader or a CEO or anything like that. Because that's all searchable, making sure there's keywords in there. Um, so for example, I am the CEO and lead strategist at Osnap Social, but I'm also a social media manager and I'm also a social media trainer and speaker. All of those are listed as roles within my company. 
And that is how I found to date one of my biggest teaching roles that I have as a, as a contractor, uh, teaching the federal government about social media and SEO and Google Analytics is because I had that optimized and I was showing up consistently on social as my loud and energetic self. And that resonated with that CEO who contacted me because she saw, she searched on LinkedIn and found me and the rest is history. We've been working together since 2020. So, Oh, that's amazing. You know, Mm -hmm. you never know who's looking. And so to set your profile up for success in that way, it's really to think about what is your audience looking for? What words are they typing in the search for you to be found? Yes. Excellent tips. Yep. Carlin, are you still finding people uh, building their businesses on social media platforms? Meaning? Meaning they don't have a website, but they think because they have so many followers that purchase from them on, say, Facebook, they think they have a legitimate business. My knee-jerk reaction is like, you can still have a legitimate business and make a ton of money and not have a website. The other side of me is like, why would you do that? <laughs> like, Because if heaven forbid, Mark Zuckerberg was like, you know what? This has been really fun and decides to pack up Facebook and be like, we're done here. You would be totally SOL. And that is not smart business sense at all. And so you're also missing the opportunity of search results, period. And so, yes. I think social media, you can build a business utilizing Facebook, but at some point you have to have real estate on the internet that you own in the form of a website. It doesn't need to be overly fancy pants because if people are connecting with you on Facebook, but they need to have a place, a home base, a storefront, what have you on the internet that you own because you do not own Facebook. Right. Mark Zuckerberg does. So (laughs) You know, I've seen it. People build huge businesses and brands. Um, I've also seen people build huge businesses and brands off the back of Facebook ads. And they're like looking back and being like, in hindsight, that probably wasn't a great idea because I put all of my eggs into the Facebook ad basket. And yes, I was successful, but that strategy wouldn't work for me today because it's changed so much. Right, right. So, I mean, find what works, but ultimately you have to have a place on the web that you own as a safe space. (laughs) Totally agree. Yeah. And send all the traffic there. (laughs) Right, right, right. No, totally. What trends are you seeing in social media? I know it's extremely unpredictable, but are you noticing any trends around the main players and how they're evolving? I think right now, Social media is literally the wild, wild west. I feel like I say that every year, but this year specifically, I'm like, what in the flying kahoot is happening? Um, For me, I'm really noticing people wanting the internet to feel smaller. They want it to feel less noisy. They want to find the people that resonate with them, are relatable to them. And so going forward in the next couple of years, and we're already seeing it with developments of platforms like Discord, which was typically, I think, just for gaming. And now it's like for any niche specific community. So people are looking to make the internet go from, you know, very broad to very narrow. 
Um, and people are doing that through, of course, groups, but people got group fatigue. So they're looking for places that don't, that are not maybe on the traditional social platforms uh, as we know it today to connect with people. So whether it's a Slack community, we've seen a lot of coaches and thought leaders create Slack communities. We've had people set up discords um, just for their, their subscribers. And yes, there's still Facebook groups that uh, are very active. So people are looking to make their internet experience, their social media experience more narrow and more relatable. And I think the algorithms are helping us with that already in some sense, you know, for good, bad, or otherwise. Uh, but I also think there's a level of intentionality of users too, of being like, I don't want to see that. Why am I seeing that? You know, and we're conditioning our own feeds accordingly. So that's a big trend that I've been seeing for years, but I'm, mm -hmm. it's getting, it's seemingly getting louder this year. Yes. I think people are just on info overload, just oh. coming from all places all the time. Yes, a hundred percent. And I think another thing, which I would be remiss of not to at least mention it is the adoption of, of AI and just being, being a smart user of it. And I think right now, a lot of people, thought leaderships, business owners are like, oh, I'll just use ChatGPT to write my content. And then they post it and they're like, this isn't working. I'm like, because it's written by AI. Like it's not right. your voice, it's not your brand. Exactly. Not, there's no, you didn't do your due diligence of leaving your thumbprint on that piece of content. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's great if you're staring at a cursor forever, but. <laughs> sure. Yeah, no, there's no soul in it, right? I yeah. mean, there's no human in it. So what is going to really attract another human to it, right? Exactly. Yeah, mm -hmm. it just doesn't resonate. Um, that's great. Well, Carolyn, it's been great having you on the show. What is coming up for you in 2024? And then also, what is the best place for people to learn about you? Yes. Yeah, so in 2024, I'm going to be doing a bunch of joint workshops. Um, so I'm excited about that. So that's coming soon. So stay tuned. Um, other than that, you can find me on my website, osnapsocial.com forward slash resources. There's a ton of freebies for you there uh, to download, keep updated with. Um, and then you can find me all over the socials. Just search Carlin, K-A-R-L-Y-N, Ankrum, A-N-K-R-O-N. And I hope to connect with you through the screen soon. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Business of You. If you found a little dose of inspiration or learned something new, please leave a review and share it with a friend or even two. Interested in building your brand and business? Tune in next time to The Business of You podcast. And remember, there's only one you. You're the biggest differentiator your business has. Until next time, friends.